welcome back to another episode of uh, Kevin and Brendan Give Notes. My name is Kevin Nibley. I'm Brendan Leach. And yeah, follow us on Twitter. It's at give underscore notes. Uh, we're on all your favorite podcast platforms. And we have a theme song from Dave from Millions. Thank you, Dave, for that. Last episode was Rain of Fire. Um, yes. And we decided to take a break from the connective tissue that we usually do. Um, I'm one of the few people in the world who still get the Netflix uh, in the red envelopes. Um, yeah. I love it. Uh, and yeah, this showed up and we're like, let's press pause on uh, whatever thread we are following and let's review uh, the hottest new release, <laughs> one of only five movies of any note that came out in the year 2020. Um, this is Christopher Nolan's latest, Tenet. All I have for you is a word. Tenet. It'll open the right doors. Some of the wrong ones too. Use it carefully. To do what I do, I need some idea of the threat we face. As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War III. I'm not saying I'm getting here. No. Something worse. I gather you have an interest in a certain Russian national. Mike's bring me in. You really want to know? He can communicate with the future. Time travel? No. Inversion? Name it and pull the trigger. You're not shooting the bullet. You're catching it. Whoa. Well, I've seen too much. Well, we'll try and keep up. Duty transcends national interests. This is about survival. It seems bold. Bold, I'm fine with. I thought you were going to say nuts. This is where our worlds collide. How would you like to die? Old. You chose the wrong profession. Here. Hasn't happened yet. There are people in the future who need us. I need a tenant. We need to save them here and now. This reversing the flow of time doesn't us being here now mean it never happened. You want to crash a plane, but not from the air. No, it's so dramatic. Well, how big a plane? That part is a little dramatic. Yes, yeah, so I don't know how you want to do this. Um, this is obviously a movie where I think the director intends for you to watch it more than once. Um, so I actually watched this twice. 
I watched it once and then I immediately watched the dialogue scenes with subtitles. <laughs> like I sped through, you know, sort of the action and the, like the, yeah. the forwards, backwards stuff um, just because of the sound design and like the, yeah. the amount of exposition that gets buried. It's a lot like the prestige. Um, right. You know, you're meant to watch it once and have a certain feeling about it. And then at the end, you're like, oh, shit. And then you're supposed to watch it again and be like, oh, my God, like it was all there for me to see the whole time, you know, or whatever. <laughs> right. I don't know. Did I, I guess, did you like the movie? I, okay. So, yes, I'm going to tentatively say yes, but there's a lot of caveats because I'm a, a, an obnoxious, pretentious asshole. <laughs> but I feel like this movie, I think, is a lot of fun if you don't try to care too much about what's happening and like what the details of the plot are, if you're just sort of like, I kind of get what's going on here, it's a lot of fun. So I, I don't really have too many notes on the first scene. It's basically, it's like set in for this hostage situation, blah, blah, blah. Like he's giving this code to everyone. There's like this code, like the Flying dove does whatever the fuck. <laughs> we live in a twilight world. And there are no friends at dusk. You've been made. The siege is a blind for them to vanish you. So when he like rescues some guy, and you see like a bullet kind of go in reverse. There's like this weird guy with a gas mask who comes in. It looks like he kind of saved him. And so that's like our first hit. Like, okay, yeah. this is this movie is going to be about going in reverse. This is going to be the crisscross of uh, Christopher. Because <laughs> <laughs> inside out, it's wigging and wigging and wigging and wet. <laughs> that would have been a great rewrite note. Everybody has to wear their clothes backwards if you're going backwards. I think it's like what I like about Christopher Nolan the most, like just start it intense. He finds the like cube. Yes. Yeah. Cl clearly the like, the like Hitchcockian MacGuffin. I've never seen a cancellation like this. We don't know how old it is, but it's the real deal. This could be an uh, educational moment for people who don't know what, what exactly is a MacGuffin. Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. A MacGuffin <laughs> is the object that drives the plot that all the characters are searching for. The actual function of the object is meaningless and almost yeah. always arbitrary. The Mal Maltese Falcon is the big example of this. Like in my favorite type of like generic 60s movies, it's always microfiche. And then to be trained, hold out for about 18 hours. So your colleagues will be clear by seven. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. He ends up somehow kind of coming back in this van, but there are these Russians who like double cross him. Then it like cuts to, he's like on a train tracks. He's getting his like teeth pulled out. Yeah, it's an intense scene. But then he wakes up and he's like on a boat somewhere. And Martin Donovan is like this, we assume CIA, his like handler. Welcome to the afterlife. You've been in a medically induced coma while we got you out of Ukraine and rebuilt your mouth. You know, he's like, we got this next assignment for you. And like John David Washington's like, I quit because that like whole tooth pulling thing was like too much for him. <laughs> yeah. like, well, no, 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 dude. Like we like we got this assignment for you. The line I liked is uh, it's a cold war. Cold as ice. There's <laughs> <laughs> a cold war. Cold as ice. We even know its true nature is to lose. Martin Donovan never comes back. He gives him this mission. You never fucking see the guy again. Yeah. But he does, uh, he says, you, you know, the word is tenant and you do this like cool thing with your hands where you like kind of join them. And if you do those two things, when you're talking to someone and they get it, then they're like part of this operation, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Do you remember in, since we're Gen Xers in the late eighties, there was the Pepsi summer chill out. Ladies. 
So I don't know, some PR firm invented a hand gesture <laughs> that like you were supposed to do for the Pepsi Summer Chill Out and they made this hand gesture. And that was it. As far as I remember, that was the entirety of it. But <laughs> that's what it kind of felt like. The tenant thing is, is like, here's a hand gesture. All I have for you is a gesture in combination with a word, tenant. Somehow they're like, they put him in like a, looks like a wind farm in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, he sleeps in a turbine for, I don't know how long. Yeah, <laughs> he's like doing pull-ups and shit. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Um, he gets on a boat, like, yeah. what company in the world is going to be like, well, I don't know, there's a guy in this windmill, I'm just, we picked him up, he's wearing a vest. And then, yeah, then he's trying to sneak into a door. And then the lady's like, hey, like, what the fuck? Like, you can't be here. And then he's just like, tenant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pepsi summer chill out. <laughs> I need some idea of the threat we face. As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War Three. Nuclear Holocaust. No. Something worse. <laughs> we introduced this concept that there's this future tech that, like, inverts things and... Uh, we're on the case of like, why is shit going backwards in time? And this woman who, by the way, is also in the same Harry Potter movie that Robin Pattinson is in. <laughs> okay. She get, says what I think is the key to the entire movie. I have this note too, I think. Yeah. Okay, good. So he says like, she explains the backwards stuff and he says, I, I don't understand. And she goes, don't understand it. Just feel it. Yeah, I have that note. I say this is the thesis of the movie. How can it move before I touch it? Don't try to understand it. Blah, blah, blah. I, again, we're not really, it's pretty vague. Uh, so there's this thing, shit's going to reverse. He needs to save the world. Somehow he like calls some people. He ends up like having to go to fucking India. And they're like, we'll hook you up with like uh, this other agent who ends up being like Robert Pattinson. They need to get to talk to this like Indian lady who like might be this arms dealer who might know some shit about this tenant, like whatever, it's all vague. She does the Pepsi summer chill out sign yes. and then he knows that it's, so then he does it back and then they start their own conversation. <laughs> yeah. To say anything about a client would violate the tenants he lives by. Tenants are important to you, then you can tell me. She sort of lays out like the future is to clear war on the present and they're using this like Russian guy, we think, and that's gonna be Kenneth Branagh. You know, he, he ends up like going to dinner with Kenneth Branagh's wife. And uh, my note here is this is like a really bad first date because she basically just tells him every fucking problem she has. You know, I don't know <laughs> if you've ever like gone on like a, you know, a first date and they like are talking about their ex-boyfriend and like this, that, and you know, their job sucks and, all this, and you're just like, God, I'm not gonna go on a second date with this person. He controls me contact with my son everything in vietnam i tried to love him again thought if there was love there it might give me my son back blah 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 they they have they come up with this like elaborate caper that's um uh john david washington robert pattinson and then a dude from that movie yesterday where he like wakes wakes up in the world where he's the only one who knows the beatles song oh yeah in order to like gain access to this vault they gotta crash a whole fucking plane into a building you want to crash a plane but not from the air not so dramatic well, how big a plane? Oh, uh, that part is a little dramatic. And then, like, all hell breaks loose. So there are, like, these two guys that come in with gas masks, 
and they have right. this like John David Washington. They have, he has this like huge, crazy reverse fight, and it's like nuts. And do you mind actually if we spoil this scene now? Because yeah, I, I was watching this with my wife, who was like on her phone the whole like this, this far in the movie, and like whenever something exciting happens, she sort of like pay attention and like that scene ends, and she goes, "That's them, right?" Like you know, <laughs> like <laughs> why are you here? It just kind of like goes from that to like all of a sudden it's like when james bond goes to meet the villain and they're trying to be civil <laughs> but you know that they want to kill each other mr Sater. don't bother just tell me if you've slept with my wife yet uh no not yet when kenneth Branagh shows up i'm like all right because now we've like simplified like good guy bad yeah. guy woman in the middle right. Like, fucking great. I get this. And he's like, I'm going to put your balls in your throat. Like, that's the, like... <laughs> There's a walled garden up the road. We're going to take you there, cut your throat. Then we take your balls and we stuff them in the cut, block the windpipe. Complex. It's very gratifying to watch a man you don't like try to pull his own balls out of his throat before he chokes. <laughs> so somehow, John David Washington's going to give him this shit he needs, like for his weapon. It's like this crazy reverse meet on a highway where they exchange uh, a package, basically. Yeah. Um, and somehow it ends in this, uh, John David Washington ends up like in this chair, like he's being held. And like Kenneth Branagh's like fucking talking in reverse. If you're not telling the truth, she dies. Whatever, it's like this whole hostage scene. Somehow, like, this tactical team comes in to, like, break it out. Like, they come in before Kevin Brown can kill everyone. Who are these fucking troops that just showed up? <laughs> they're the yeah. Pepsi, what'd you say? The Pepsi... Uh... Pepsi Summer Chill Out. Yeah, they're like the Pepsi Summer Chill Out Battalion or whatever the fuck. Who are these guys? This is one of us this might be i think this is the middle of the movie this is like he inverts himself here and this is like almost the exact midpoint of the movie oh my um, god so whatever we're going in reverse now whatever they have like a whole conversation where you try you know and he starts asking questions that i think they presume the audience would ask like oh well like if the future's trying to kill us wouldn't that kill them since we're their ancestors we're their ancestors if they destroy us won't that destroy them it's bringing us to the grandfather paradox. The what? Doesn't matter. I go back to sleep now. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. It's like out of the Terminator, you know, in the Terminator, if like this guy came back to the future to like fuck my mom and I was born, <laughs> like. I wish I could have met my real dad. I sent him back through time to 1984. Man, it messes with your head. Also, why are most time travel movies about going back in time to fuck somebody? Like, that's, <laughs> I mean, isn't that like, that's, that's the farthest reach of man's imagination is like, you go back in time, you know, you might, <laughs> you might get laid. That was always my favorite thing, the father-son switching movies. The dad was always divorced and there would always be a scene where like the teenage kid gets to fuck his dad's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're like, wait, what? Thankfully, <laughs> <laughs> um, the sex angle wasn't done, you know. Yeah. Um, but that would have made made for a funny scene of like, you know, reverse 
cupping of the breast. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it could it could have it, the scene could have started at the climax and, and gone all the way back to the dinner date. <laughs> yeah, well, when uh, when the porn version comes out, that's the oh god. Okay, uh, <laughs> yeah, now I'm having like really bad images in my head. Um, okay, uh, and we all we all know from other scientific uh, you know investigations like Back to the Future, if you start to do something that jeopardizes your existence you will start to disappear slowly oh, yeah. and that didn't happen to any of these people so <laughs> no one's hands got, yeah. like uh, yeah. the opacity taken down and started yeah. to become like invisible yeah no um we can kind of just like head towards the barn on this one a little bit yeah let's get to the cool battle yeah so whatever so it's like a you know like a your classic star wars finale where it's like the death star thing where it's like we got to get the shield down on one planet and then oh true yeah yeah there's a tactical team the tenant army is going to do their own temporal pincer movement of people going forward and backwards and once they secure the weird macguffin voltron thing yeah yeah and then, yeah. then uh, the guy from yesterday will shoot a flare and then the future life posing his past life can kill kenneth Branagh. And the good guys win. I have a thought where it's like, after not really being sure how John David Washington fits into this operation, like he seemed to be a late rec- recruit, but then he's the only guy. And then yeah, then the army shows up. Now he seems like a, an inf- infantryman in the army. Like he's sitting in the back yeah. of the room getting briefed for the first time. And he goes up to the leader and he's like, I have a question. And the leader's like, it's me and you. We're the two most important people here. Like, <laughs> again, yeah. I don't understand the structure of this military outfit. And in this scene, they introduce this red and blue concept. You've been divided into two teams for a temporal pincer movement. We're red team moving forward. Our friends over there, blue team, led by Commander Wheeler, are inverted. When you watch the movie back, then you realize in several other scenes, there's like red and blue coding for, you know, who's going forward, who's going backwards. Um, like, you know, now that I'm having to color code <laughs> shit, it's like too much. I, I thought it was cool. The oxygen thing I thought was cool. I thought, okay, if you see someone with a gas mask or anything like right. that, that means they're going backwards. I, I thought that, and it's, it just looks scary. There's just something scary about someone with like an oxygen tank or some kind of breathing apparatus and a gun mm-hmm. crazy like that it just makes it more terrifying so anyway yeah i don't know if you have anything through this i mean i mean i have a major note which is i, I wish the forwards and backwards war looked a little cooler like it was hard to make sense of i mean i thought it yeah. looked, it looked cool it's okay if for a battle scene to be chaotic if you know where you're supposed to end up but in this one, these people fighting are like, they're just random soldiers, yeah. nameless, faceless, uh, you know, it's the problem. Um, <laughs> and, you know. But I still will say again, I think it, I wish it looked cooler. Like it wasn't as trippy as I wanted it to be. I, I thought this could have been really pushed. Um, there's one scene where they like, they have to wait for this tower that's all crumbled to like get reverse blown up so it goes back together so that then they can blow up the top like that i wanted to see way more of that kind of really complicated in and out forwards and backwards stuff a lot further look i'll be away where my journey began and yours ends well the radioactive not like taste my fate was always bound up with radiation kenneth brown is somehow like on the phone to them from this yacht <laughs> being like 
taunting him like he like they're like they thought they were going to get this thing but then there was like a door that was locked or something and he's like i that's the best money i ever spent was on that lock and you're like what okay yeah you fight for a cause you barely understand with people you trust so little you've told them nothing when i die the world dies with me blah blah, blah. somehow while they're on the boat the wife is just so fucking sick of kenneth Branagh. But she's like, look, like, like this is the moment where yeah. she, she wants a divorce right then. That's like the moment anyone has gone through a divorce or breakup. She's just, that's it. Like, that was it for her. She's basically just like, you know, looks at him and she's like, fuck I'm this done. shit. I can't do this. I can't let you think you've won. Don't spoil this moment, kid. I'm paying you go to your grave thinking we're coming with you. You're dying alone, Andre. <laughs> Here's my scar. It's future me. And like, he's like, mm-hmm. and then like, she just shoots him, whatever the fuck. And then there's like, a there's like some, supposed to be some weird jeopardy where like the guy from yesterday is like, oh shit, she killed him. What did make sense to me is like, when uh, the model kills Kenneth Branagh, and then they're like <laughs> dragging him from the boat, like they're dragging his corpse around. I remember she like throws him off the edge and then, but then they have like, it's like to add insult to injury, he like hits like a mezzanine level railing. A seagull shits on him at some point. (laughs) Again, (laughs) this needed MacGruber with a fucking gas mask going back through time to pee on his dead body in reverse or something. That that would have been cool. Um, I don't know what fuck you dude in reverse would be, but you know, or something like that. Um, Anyway, so blah 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 whatever like good guys win they get the the weird future thing out of the hole they have this whole thing where they're like all of a sudden they're gonna be like the fellowship of the fucking ring or something for a second no one who's seen this leaves the field we hide it we end our lives that's the only way to be sure <laughs> they're like we're all gonna we're each gonna take like a part of this MacGuffin and oh yeah we'll like bury it and we'll never see each other again and we'll We'll, we'll like kill ourselves. And then Robert Pattinson's like, yeah, never scrap all yeah. that. <laughs> like, here's here's my here's my uh, MacGuffin. Why don't you just keep it? Um, <laughs> and you know, he like sees a zip tie, and he's like, hey, you were like the guy who saved me like seven times in this movie. And he kind of laughs, you know, like, <laughs> and you know, he's like, who recruited you? And then this is the big reveal. Yeah. Hey, you never did tell me who recruited you, Neil. I only guessed by now. You did. Only not when you thought. You have a future in the past. Years ago for me, years from now for you. You've known me for years. For me, I think this is the end of a beautiful friendship. But for me, it's just the beginning. We get up to some stuff. Whatever. I don't know. And then, like, that's the, you realize, like, he was that he's the, that's why he's the protagonist. This was his whole operation. And he's probably recruited all these people at various points in time. And maybe we're seeing right. him. So I, at the end of this movie, I will reiterate what I said a few times, which is the more I think about what the hell's going on in this plot, the less I like this movie. Yeah. And if you just, if you just sort of like, all right, go along with it. Don't worry about the details. Then, then I think it's significantly better way to watch it. So yeah, and like big picture, I'm not gonna try to rewrite this movie. There's just like no fucking point. I mean, I don't know. Do you have a rewrite on this? No, it's. I don't think. I don't think it's rewritable. 
you know, if you were to rewrite it, it wouldn't be like rewriting the plot so much as maybe taking a little bit of a less is more approach to explaining yeah. the world, maybe leaning into the visuals way more. You know, it's like if, if the visuals are at like a seven, you know, you take them to a 10. And if mm-hmm. the explanation of the world is at a 10, it really is like at a 12, <laughs> maybe take that down to a four, like really cut it like by two thirds. I, I wasn't thinking of talking about this big picture in a sense of like how it reflects our world that we live in. Cause I just don't think it does. It's like really its own thing. I, I, I was interested in talking big picture of where you see this movie and like the Nolan lexicon. Okay. Here's a really all I want to say is this, he makes some good movies. I like, I think he makes the best superhero movies. Those Batman movies oh, they're amazing. are the best of the bunch. Yeah. Um, you know, Memento was cool and was big for, I don't know, maybe just our age, but that, when that came out, it was like, yeah. But so I think of the twisty turny movies he makes, like the, like the gimmicky movies with the twist, it's The Prestige and Inception and Tenet. And yeah. of those three, The Prestige is about a magic trick. And it's a like it's built into the text that like the, this misdirection. The Prestige is close to perfect. It's definitely my favorite Christopher Nolan movie, um, even above The Dark Knight. Uh, it's like the perfect right. trick movie, you know? Right. And for a gimmicky movie that starts with, here's how magic tricks work. And like, it even tells you, like, you don't want to know how the trick functions. You just want to be, like, suckered by the illusion. Yeah. yeah, so it's structural and textual. It's and And that all makes sense. It's resonant. And then... Inception is just like, oh, yeah, I guess you, if you don't tell me all the information I need to understand this movie, it's certainly going to seem a lot more sophisticated than it is because I didn't know, you know, you just withheld facts yeah. and then acted like you were like some, you know, holy shit, you know, hot shit storyteller. <laughs> and then this is, Tenet is even less sophisticated than that. Yeah. That's where I'm at with these twisty, turny Nolan movies. Again, The Prestige, what makes that movie so great to me is that's a movie where it's like a trick movie, but the first time you watch it where you don't know what's going on, I'm like on the edge of my seat and I'm like, it doesn't need the trick to work. Also, though, separate, maybe this is kind of the only big picture we can really do for this movie about society is I think this will be remembered as the the COVID movie and the like, yeah. the, the maybe the possibly death of movie theater movie. You know, I want to say one of the last movies I saw in a theater before this whole thing happened, I want to say it was Uncut Gems. It was like in January or February last year. Uh, and I believe they had the trailer for this. And, and being someone who does enjoy Christopher Nolan, I remember being like, I am. Yeah, I'm in. And yeah, and uh, I believe it was the summer uh, you know, a couple of movies like Mulan and uh, The King of Staten Island, I think, yeah. decided to come out digitally. But Tenet stuck to their guns and they're like, no, like people are going to go to the movie theater in the middle of COVID in July <laughs> to see Tenet. And they did it. But yeah, this movie lost a shit ton of money. And that put the movie, th- that put like extra strain on the movie theaters. Like, I mean, not, like, not to be like, oh, boo-hoo for Regal and AMC, but like, yeah. The- you know, they could have just closed and that would have been a better business move than keep themselves open to run this movie that nobody was going to go see. And Christopher Nolan himself was like, no, my movie goes in the movie theater. I don't like how 
obnoxious can you be? Like people are fucking dying at that point. It had been going on for months and he still insisted that this movie needs to be seen on the big screen. I mean, I get is uh, a filmmaker uh, of his stature, like arguably some might argue like the best commercial filmmaker in the world. So I understand why, you know, you spend all this money, you want people to see in a theater, but yeah, it's a little tone deaf and it's just, it's a little naive. And it's also just, just a horrible business move. If they said, we're going to stream this, this one movie is 30 bucks. I think everybody would have paid the extra, you know, they could have made a lot yeah, of money. I, I was shocked when they didn't, you know, and when you go to a movie theater in normal times, you know, especially if you're going with uh, your significant other, or if you're going to pay for the date, you know, you get two tickets, uh, popcorn, a couple sodas, you know, God forbid you live in a city, you got to take an Uber back and forth. I mean, that's like a hundred dollar date. Easy. Oh, yeah. so, I mean, like you could have charged $50 for this movie and you know, I would have done it. Um, and then do, and then do a 70 millimeter IMAX, like, like revival when, when we can all come back. Yeah. I think that's our episode. Um, yeah. So this is like kind of a little break from the normal logic flow we try to create uh, in our picks just to do a new release. Uh, Cause this is like, probably the only new release this year that I wanted to do or that we wanted to do, uh, you know, like King of Staten Island and Wonder Woman 1984. I don't know if we really want to spend a whole podcast on. No. Somehow we're, we're going from uh, Reign of Fire uh, to In the Line of Fire. I don't know. I guess it's I guess just, it's fire. you know, uh, Matthew McConaughey and Christian Bale were in the line of fire of dragons and, and Clint Eastwood's in the line of fire of John Malkovich. Plus we all lived through, we lived through a lot of uh, presidential politics recently and now we're going back to a simpler time. Yeah, yeah, In the Light of Fire is a pretty post-political movie. I, I'm not sure if they could make that now. Yeah.